Hello, this is Justin Coleman, Senior Pastor at University UMC, and this is our podcast. I hope these messages engage your mind, touch your heart, and inspire you to serve God and your neighbor. Check us out online at universityumc.church. Thanks for tuning in. Well, there are two things that people say that you shouldn't talk about at the dinner table. Religion and politics. So we decided to have a sermon series where we talk about both. Three weeks of religion and politics in in a way, in a way. So the, the central question of this sermon series is, can you disagree politically and love unconditionally? Can you disagree politically and love unconditionally? Well, as we talk about these things, prepare to talk about these things, please go with me to the Lord in prayer. Gracious Lord, I pray that you would speak through me and perhaps even in spite of me. And so let the humble words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable and pleasing to you, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Let me just pause and say to our folks in the sound booth, I'm getting just a little bit of feedback here in the chancel with my mic. So can you disagree politically and love unconditionally? The first thing that I want to note for us is, we are the body of Christ. And when Paul talks about the body of Christ in in 1 Corinthians, he wants to remind us that we are all connected. Everyone who is Christian is connected. We're all part of the family of God in Christ. He uses this wonderful imagery of the hands and the feet and the head and how all of these parts cannot say, I'm disconnected from this other part. It just doesn't make any sense. What he's meaning to say is, look, all of you Christians who are existing here in this this community of Corinth who are beginning to say, well, I'm different, my brand of Christianity, my way of following Jesus, the way that Jesus has gifted me is different than this person over there, and so we are separate. And Paul says, you know, I know you like to think that. And I know you like to parse yourself out and and go to different corners and, and retreat from one another, but the reality is that's impossible. He asks the question, can the body of Christ be divided? And we are supposed to respond to that question, no. Now, at times, that feels stirring. We feel, that's great. I love that. I love that we're part of the body of Christ until you stop and think. That in all of religion, some of the people who annoy you the most are other Christians. I mean, if we'd be honest, I know there's a little bit of nervous laughter in the room, but you know what I'm talking about. As everyone does it, or many people do it, you think about, well, this, this brand of Christian, and no, we're different than them. They're just disconnected. I don't even know if they're really Christian if, when it comes down to it. And then we generally think, in many cases it's true, that the folks that we said, I just don't know if, if, if they're really Christian, they're looking at us and going, you know, I don't know if those Methodists over there are really Christian. 
I don't know if, if what they believe really is con- consistent with the gospel. And it just goes back and forth, and we continue to make ourselves uh, other. We continue to do this us and them conversation. It's so easy to do. And what Paul says is, as much as you like to think that, it's just untrue. You might disagree very much with those folks over there in this other church, but you're still part of a family together. And you know what? you got to figure it out. Instead of retreating from one another, Paul says you need to lean in and figure it out together because you're going to spend an eternity together. So you might as well work on it now. This is a truth about the body of Christ, that we are together. The body of Christ cannot be separated. Well, again, even though that may be true, we live in ways that are sometimes very different. We flee from one another. We, we find identities that we believe are more grounding than that common Christian identity. I've used this image just a few weeks ago, and I'm using it again on purpose. I, I use the, the, the image of a, of a phone, of a, a smartphone. And I said, you know, a smartphone has the phone, and then it has a case. If you're like me, you, you have a case. Now, here's a, here's a truth, that sometimes what we do is we make our operating system our politics. I'm a Republican, and I put a Christian case around it. I'm a Democrat, and I put a thin Christian case around it. Again, both, the, both are, are thin cases. They might look like it from the outside, but you say, that's not the real operating system. That's not what's really governing my, my thoughts and my actions. Your, that core identity may be the identity as a, as a man or as a woman or as black or as white or as gay or as straight. Whatever we're talking about, whatever that core identity is, if the operating system is truly that other thing and you just put a Christian case around it, it doesn't mean that the operating system is truly Christian. And so our challenge always in life, is to make Christianity our operating system. Now, all of those other things, all of those other identities, I'm not saying that they're bad, but if they replace Christianity as the core identity, then there are going to be problems, going to be challenges. So we've all been baptized into one identity in Christ together. And then we, we celebrate those other identities We learn to receive those other identities, but we realize that they are not our core identity. And this this is challenged, this idea of identity is challenged when there are significant stressors. Let's take, oh, 2020, for instance. A little thing called a pandemic happened. You know, we heard the rumblings of it in, in 2019, but then full effects of it in, in 2020 and 2021. And, and this sermon series is, is um, uh, named after a book written by Andy Stanley. He's a pastor in Atlanta, a very large church, often thought to be a, a large and, and more conservative uh, church. 
So they, as a, as a church, decided that they were going to suspend in-person worship services so that they could love their neighbor in the midst of this pandemic time. In this large church in, in, that has one of the most influential uh, evangelical pastors in our country and one of the most influential evangelical pastors in the world all of a sudden got this pushback, significant pushback from his congregation saying, look, you're just caving in to progressive thought. What are you doing here? We don't need to suspend in-person worship services. And so then he tells a story about these challenges that they experienced across the pandemic with that. And I thought, wow, this large uh, conservative um, uh, church pastor is experiencing that. I experienced some of the same thing. I heard the same things. Uh, people repeating almost verbatim, you know, what we were saying, what people were saying in, in conservative media spaces and in, in progressive media spaces. And we just kept on trying to say, look, that we're, we're just trying to follow our Christian identity here and, and, and work with the medical community that's part of our, our congregation. But it creates such significant tension in every congregation, and, or in many congregations, I should say, and it certainly did in, in our congregation. But that wasn't the only thing. Um, during 2020, as there's this resurgence of this Black Lives Matter conversation, anything, anything I or our church leadership said about race um, was interpreted through these primarily uh, progressive and, and conservative lenses. And no matter what I said to, to complicate the ideas on either side, um, it's almost like folks just couldn't hear what I was saying. They just simply repeated something that you could have heard on conservative or progressive media outlets. Also during that time, uh, conversations about LGBTQ life, particularly in the United Methodist Church, having more conversations there, and the same thing. And, and I, my heart was just hurt because as a pastor, as a, as a friend, someone who I feel like I, I know uh, the congregation, the congregation knows me. It's like no matter what I'd say, <laughs> it just seemed like there's a smaller group of people that said, yeah, I hear you. And uh, a, a growing group of folks that only heard me related to what they hear in other spaces. It was really challenging. And more and more I thought, gosh, our country is just being pulled apart. And I see our churches being pulled apart, not just our church, churches in other places. I talk to other pastors saying that the, the politics of our nation are just pulling us in our corners. And it feels like the driving operating system of so many people, whether they're conservative or progressive, is not this common uniting Christian identity, but other identities. And in this political, uh, divisive political culture, everyone is in it to win it. Everyone's trying to win over against the other because, because there's this belief that the viewpoint of the opposition, if you will, is fundamentally dangerous and destructive to the fabric of the life of our society and the spiritual life of our society. Fundamentally dangerous. And so we resist at all costs 
this viewpoint that we believe is dangerous. Why? Because we want to be safe. We want to live in a society where people are safe and can thrive. But we're losing so much in the midst of that. Our arguments can be productive. Differences of opinion can be productive. The scripture talks about iron sharpening iron. It takes a little bit of friction, right? But God created different people with different mindsets and different points of view and different understandings to challenge one another and to help make every system, every organization, every institution, every church better because of those differences of viewpoint. But we're meant to to refine ideas together and then remain a family together. Some of the best teams I've been a part of, some of the the best uh, groups I've been a part of have, have been groups where that happened. You sit down and you roll your sleeves up and you really work on something and you don't agree all the time, but you come to a consensus together and you create something beautiful together and then you move forward. You go out and have a bite to, to eat together and, and celebrate what has been accomplished. But we're able to do that less and less as we divide up into these spaces. And we, and we cancel one another out so easily in the midst of this. What is, what is cancel culture? It's the phenomenon or practice of publicly rejecting, boycotting, or ending support for particular people or groups because of their socially or morally unacceptable views or actions. And it's been going on for a long time. It, it's not that this has just started now. We, we think about ostracism as a practice in 5th century Athens. You know, there was cancel culture then. You'd have to leave part of the community for up to 10 years um, if, if you were found to be different in whatever way. Um, there's the Spanish Inquisition, a lot of cancellation going on there, a lot of cancel culture there, and so on and so forth. So it's not a, a new practice here. Something that's been going on for a very long time. When you, when you look at a person or a group of people and say, I don't want to have anything to do with you because of, of who you are or what you believe. It seems to proliferate in our society where we're pitted against one another. We're pitted against one another related to race. We're pitted against one another related to uh, a gender. Uh, We're pitted against one another related to sexuality. We're pitted against one another related to ableism. In so many ways, you see this happening. In in places of of marginalization, you you start to say, well, who's more marginalized? Someone who's who's African-American or somebody who's Jewish? Who's more marginalized, uh, someone who's, who's, who's male, who's like a white male and been just canceled out, Hugs to all you white dudes out there. Y'all get so canceled so many times. Sorry. Um, uh, you, you, you get canceled out because of that? Or, or is it because you're a female? And if you're female, or you're, you're a white female, or you're a female of color, because there, there's a difference there. And, and it's just so many, so many ways 
that we cancel one another out. We look at someone and say, that perspective, that's different. That is, that is, that is wrong, and I need to fight over against that perspective. So often this happens in our culture, and it's dividing not only our culture, but it's dividing our church. I know that some folks don't believe in any kind of cosmic manifestations of, of evil that might work against the church, but if, but if I was going to create, if I was going to create a strategy to inhibit the, the Christian witness, I'd put a bunch of people in the room and say, look, y'all have so many differences, and those differences are competing, and you really ought to be careful because there's a lot of danger in this room. There's a lot of people who could harm one another in this room. There are a lot of people who can trigger one another in this room. Be careful. You know what? You might just think about staying home. Or, or you might think about just dividing up to someone who's just a, a little bit more like you. And you can do that and do that and do that until it's just you. I mean, if, if I were creating a strategy, I, I might just do something like that. And we see this happening over and over and over again in the life of the church. And people feel principled about it. Uh, think about the elder brother in the parable that was read just a little bit ago. Elder brother thought, he's a good guy. I'm following all the rules. I'm doing what's supposed to be done. And I've got this younger brother who's gone out there and he's wasted the inheritance. He's dishonored the father. He's dishonored me. And then when he comes back, I, and, and I hear he's, they're throwing a party for him, I, have, I want nothing to do with it. He chose that position. He chose that life, and it is morally repugnant to me, and so he's no brother of mine. And so when, when my father comes and says, hey, come and, and party because this, this brother of yours has returned, I say, look, that's that son of yours. Do you know what he's done? He's not my brother anymore. That son of yours, you know what he's done? We feel morally right when we cancel out someone who says or believes something that we disagree with. And we forget the posture of the father in that parable that says, look, I continue to show this son of mine grace and ever hoping that there can be relationship. And so even though you have a difference of opinion than your brother here, won't you enter into the party with me? Because I've, I've invited both of you. I've invited both of you in the party, and that's what God is always saying. God is always inviting everyone into the party, but we're the ones who behave like elder or younger brothers Sometimes moving away from the family. Sometimes canceling out certain members of the family and unsure if we should be a part of the party together. You know, the Apostle Paul, as Paul is going out, one of the greatest church planters that's ever been known, Paul moves about. And he's got this, this idea as he he's in ministry in the world. He says in 1 Corinthians 9, I've become all things 
to all people so that I could save some by all possible means. All things I do are for the sake of the gospel so I can be a partner with it. I've become all things to all people. He's saying, I've, I've learned to build relationships with everyone. I work at it. I work at building relationships with everyone, even people that I have virtually nothing in common with, so that by all possible means, I might save some. Paul is modeling for us this life in Christ. We go and say, look, I'm going to find some way to connect. I'm going to find some way to connect, some kind of common ground so I can allow this person who, who may even feel that they themselves are very different than me, that they can feel somewhat connected. And maybe it's through that common ground, that common cause, whatever that we can embrace together, that we can draw near to one another instead of leaning out and leaning away from one another. It's a great practice. In every, in every contentious situation, if someone sits in, in my office or is on a, a Zoom meeting and may, may disagree, my, my tendency is to say, okay, where, where can we connect here? If I'm out working in uh, the community with community groups, if there is some tension, I'm going to try to figure out how can we connect here? How can we find some common ground so that we can be reminded of our relationship, so that we can be reminded of our importance to one another and the importance of connection? How can I do that? So rather than accentuating the things that are, are different, it's not that I don't see difference. I'm just not going to allow that difference to divide. And maybe when I enter into enough relationship with that person or that group of people, I can see certain elements of, of that difference and say, well, that's really kind of cool. I mean, that's not me, but I, I want to celebrate that about you. And where there are things, where there are ideas, where we really butt heads and we're tempted to be harsh toward one another. Maybe this sense of connection and relationship will help me to say, you know what? I really disagree with you. I, I dis disagree with you greatly. But it's not going to be enough to make me treat you harshly. It's not going to be enough to excommunicate you from my friend set or excommunicate you as a, as a family member. It's not going to be enough for me to say, look, you got to get out of this church or, or, or it's, it's you or me. It's just not, it's not going to be enough for that. We're going to find a way to be together. We're going to find a way to live differently than the, the witness of our world that is a witness, an increasing witness of division and the sowing of enmity in between people. I've become all things to all people. I find a way to, to connect with people so that I can be a witness to Christ, so I can be the light of Christ, the representative of the light of Christ, the love of Christ, the grace of Christ, the compassion of Christ, the justice of Christ, all these things. 
I want to be all things to all people so that I can be a witness in someone else's life. And because I know who God is and know how God has created people, I want to be in that kind of relationship so I can see the light of God in them as well. And so my, my challenge as we enter into this sermon series and, and as we think about these, these, this kind of cancel culture that is a part of so much of our society, my challenge to you is, is, to, um, is to, to only cancel, to only consider canceling who God would cancel. Who's God going to cancel? Most of us say, I don't know if God cancels anybody. I don't think that's, that's how God rolls. I don't think that's what God does. All right, so I, w- I want you to only cancel who God cancels. How about that? And then we, we say, well, there are things that need healing because there really are, there are painful divisions in between people. I say, all right, so let's be about healing. So let's only seek to heal who God seeks to heal. Okay, we're only going to cancel who God cancels. Nobody. So we're all, and then we're only going to heal who God seeks to heal. Who does God seek to heal? Huh? Okay, so let's do that. Let's do that. Just as a, as a modest proposal to be a little bit more like Jesus. We're only going to cancel who we think God would cancel. And we're only going to care about healing and praying for and, and seeking to be in relationship with those who God would seek to heal and care for and be relationship with. I think that's a pretty modest proposal as Christians. So let's go and be in the world who Christ is. Let's go and be in the world who God has called us to be and to do away with all this culture of continuous canceling of one another and embrace this culture of, of God and Jesus Christ, a culture of entering into deep relationship with one another. In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. You can visit us at universityumc.church where you can find services, events, and other ways you can get involved. Remember that we love you. We hope you have a great week. We hope the peace of Christ is with you. And we hope to see you soon.